Good evening again. Here we are, tethered to the cross. I am Anthony, and next to me is my good buddy, Sam. Hello. How is everyone doing? Hopefully all is well. So here we are again, another episode, and we're going to be going into the book of Ephesians. I hope everyone was excited that listened to our last episode and um, heard that we were going to be diving into Ephesians, and hopefully uh, you will look forward to it. Maybe you've read ahead and um, read studied a little bit, so that way we can uh, study along together. So hopefully you all have your Bibles and are ready to go, because so are we. And uh, starting out, what I'm going to do is read the first chapter. Um, we're just going to go through the first two verses today. But as always, we always begin our podcast with reading of Scripture. So I will begin in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 1 and following. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he blessed, has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? According to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ, when he excuse me, when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. What a glorious, beautiful passage of scripture. I love Ephesians. I love it. I love it. I love it. So, going forward, we are going to dive into, I know I read the whole chapter one, um, understanding that that middle part, I believe, 
between verses 3 to 14 is all one sentence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yes. So that's amazing. So we're going to be focusing on in on um, verses 1 and 2. Just two verses today. Just two verses today. So um, taking it low and slow. Low and slow, like some good barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> I can go for some good barbecue. No kidding. So, Anthony, do you want to you want to give us some uh, what some church history said about the Book of Ephesians? All right. So, Lloyd Jones and so Lloyd Jones. Well, let's begin here. Let me read the first two verses. Going back, um, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So here the epistle to the Ephesians is surely one of the most powerful in the New Testament. It is profoundly Trinitarian in its emphasis, as we heard in these in the first chapter, how he, you know, um, pointed out the, the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And the letter speaks of God's sovereign plan and purposes to call into being a people who would exist for his praise and glory and who would be holy and blameless before him. <laughs> It speaks of the grace and the love of Christ in drawing a people to himself uh, through his sacrificial death on the cross and his subsequent exaltation. And then the letter also speaks of the Spirit's work in guaranteeing the promised blessings for God's people and of his empowering and infilling of them so they can live the holy lives to which they are called and work in unity as the church of God. Um. Martin Lloyd-Jones, the good doctor, states in his commentary (laughs) that Luther says of the epistle to the Romans that that it is the most important document in the New Testament, the gospel in its purest expression, and in many ways I agree that there is no purer, plainer statement of the gospel than in the epistle to the Romans. Accepting that as true, I would venture to add that if the epistle to the Romans is the purest expression of the gospel, then the epistle to the Ephesians is the sublimest and the most majestic expression of it. So the theme of the epistle, according to Daniel Toussaint, or Toussaint, it looks French, so I would say Toussaint. All right, so Daniel Toussaint says that the main theme of this epistle is summed up in the following verse. By grace you have been saved through faith, and not of yourselves. This theme recurs in almost all of Paul's, almost all of uh, Paul's epistles, but is developed differently in Romans. And there it is treated inductively, going from the effects of salvation to its cause, from the forgiveness of sins to the argument from predestination. But in this epistle, it proceeds deductively from the cause to its effects. Divine grace is described in wonderful terms and with the most emphatic language, as you have heard in me reading that first mm. um, chapter. Absolutely. Um, and again, I want to make a note, uh, the importance of this. Again, this is just supplemental. Um, we want this to be encouraging to you. We want you to guys to grow in the knowledge and the uh, wisdom of our Lord that you may cherish, mm-hmm. and worship him and know him and grow um, your affections for him more. Um, but again, this is just supplemental. We want you guys to be sitting under the word 
uh, and the preaching of your word of of your local church and pastor. Yep. Um, we hope you're encouraged by this. Uh, this is an enjoyment to us that we can go slowly through the book of Ephesians and what better book than the book of Ephesians. Indeed. Um, so last podcast, we talked a little bit about the context, the themes and everything in the book of Ephesians. So I want to bring back that um, context uh, and to give a recap on the background of Ephesians. So Paul is writing uh, to the church in Ephesus, as we just read in that in verse one to the saints who are in Ephesus. So he is writing from a Roman prison um, right around early um, 60s AD. And we can read about the church of Ephesus um, in Acts 18. So Paul made his his way with Priscilla and Aquila to Ephesus after spending time in Corinth. And I'm pretty sure it's around his second missionary journey. If I'm correct, it could be wrong. Um, one of the missionary journeys. Mm-hmm. So as Acts states, they came to Ephesus and he left them there. Okay. So Paul then comes back to Ephesus and he baptizes some disciples. Um, and you can read that, that. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him. That is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So that's Acts 18, 19, Acts 19, 4 through 5. So Paul spent three years in Ephesus in which he instructed the church in glorious and rich doctrine of Jesus Christ. So let us let us read the next part um, of the text. So Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. So right from the beginning, Paul is declaring his apostolic authority when he says, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. So Paul's point is to show that God specifically appointed him as an apostle. And I want to say something. I want to throw this in there real quick. A lot of people are claiming that they're apostles Mm -hmm. nowadays. There were certain criteria, certain requirements that really made you an apostle unless you saw the the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ and Mm -hmm. he bestowed that apostleship upon you. Mm -hmm. Um, So Paul here is showing that God specifically appointed him as an apostle. Uh, You can look at Acts Acts 9. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, beginning in verse 3, now he went on his way, he approached Damascus, if you recall the great, uh, where Saul becomes Paul, um, he approached Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him and following, falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, but rise and enter the city and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were open, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. Um, what does Matthew Henry have to say? Well, let's see. Matthew Henry has to say here about um, this first verse. He says here in verse 1, the title St. Paul takes to himself as belonging to him, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, etc. He reckoned it as a great honor to be employed by Christ as one of his messengers to the sons of men. The apostles were prime officers 
in the Christian church being extraordinary ministers appointed for a time only. They were furnished by their great Lord with extraordinary gifts and the immediate assistance of the Spirit that they might be fitted for publishing and spreading the gospel and for governing the church in its infant state. I think he gives a little bit more specific detail as to what the office of an apostle entails, you know, stating that they were furnished with extraordinary gifts and immediate assistance of the Spirit. Um, and as you also stated, that they were appointed by Christ. Many of all of Christ's apostles saw him either walk with him as Peter did or as Paul did, saw him immediately after his resurrection. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, that is a qualification for apostles. And also, it's, he states here that it is for an appointed time only. Mm-hmm. So, there are those that, like you stated, that are claiming the office of apostle that believe that they're apostles. No, it's clear. So that office is seized. Yes, that clearly that office is no longer um, exists mm-hmm. in our time. In our time. Yes. Indeed. So, here, there, there's an essential emphasis on Paul as an apostle and the Greek um, apostolos who is someone sent by Christ. So an apostle is an envoy of Jesus Christ um, commissioned directly by him um, or by other apostles usually someone who has been taught directly by Jesus Mm -hmm. and is invested with the authority to speak on his behalf. As Victor Furnish um, it's funny that you um, how Henry said Furnish in his writings um, Victor Furnish writes, when he describes himself as an apostle by the will of God, he is not emphasizing his own obedience or response to divine call. Mm-hmm. He is instead emphasizing the call itself, God's sovereign initiative and in establishing him in an office to which he was destined even before his birth, mm-hmm. Galatians 1.15, and for which apart from the grace of God, he is no way qualified. The apostle... Um, the apostolic authority about which he reminds his reader is based not on any personal merit of his own, but solely in the grace of God, which he had been given to him. And that was from Furnish. And mm-hmm. what I was saying earlier is <laughs> Matthew Henry quoted that the Lord furnished uh, Paul with apostleship. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's good to to see that also that there that there's there's more um, an emphasis on his authority. If we notice that he is an apostle by the will of God, so Paul writes with authority as Christ's ambassador and one commissioned by God. So he's not in his own authority. He's not in his own power. Um, he's not claiming this office as himself, but it is by God's will that. And by God's grace that he is what he is. And he has the office Mm. of apostle and was given the authority of an apostle by Christ, by God. Um, Ian Murray writes in his commentary that Paul begins his letter um, by placarding his ministerial credentials. He is an apostle of Jesus Christ. An apostle was a uniquely commissioned ambassador of Christ. Paul was once, by his own admission a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man, according to 1 Timothy 1.13. But he said, I obtain mercy in that same verse. Paul was a trophy of sovereign saving grace, as we all are, 
<laughs> but God dramatically invaded his life as he journeyed to Damascus, as we read, in search of Christians to persecute. He was filled with hate, exceedingly enraged against Christ and his people. But God, if anyone knew what it was to be converted, it was Paul. One moment he made havoc of the church, breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. And the next he was lying in the dust saying, Who are you, Lord? Blinded by the light of the risen Christ, Paul was led meekly by the hand into Damascus, where Ananias laid his hands on him and he was filled with the Holy Spirit and was baptized. Uh, Paul recognized that he was the least of the apostles who was not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. He never forgot that he was what he was by the grace of God. And I like that he emphasizes the grace of God in, uh, in that. Absolutely. So in the next part of the passage, we see who Paul is writing to. Um, and that, and that um, verses we just read, Paul is writing to the saints who are in Ephesus and are, uh, are to the saints in Ephesus who are faithful in Christ. Mm-hmm. So they are called saints because they have been chosen and set aside for God's glory. So if you have confessed that Christ is Lord mm-hmm. and you believe in him and put your faith in him, you are a saint. Think Second Peter. Um, so they are a, those that are in Christ are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of, of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So if you are in Christ, you are a saint and every Christian because of Christ is made holy by the perfect righteousness of Christ. His righteousness is imputed to the Christian. Mm-hmm. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God's righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord Mm -hmm. and be found in him, not having any righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Amen. And one commentator says at the at the outset, then Paul describes his readers first in terms of their of them being marked out by God to be his holy people, but also in terms of their believing response to the gospel, a mm-hmm. response which is ultimately due to God's gracious initiative as well. Wow, that's good stuff. Mm. <laughs> All right, so the next part, I love this part, in Christ Jesus. This is like one of the 70 times Paul addresses this in his epistles. Exactly. Union of Christ is a big big deal. theme in Paul's epistles. Mm-hmm. So being in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? Well, let's see. Being in Christ Jesus or in Christ Jesus pulls together all that is Christian existence. It sums up all that Christians have. Identity. Yes, it's our identity. It, um, it sums up all that Christians have and are as co-heirs with Christ. 
as his people. It speaks of the huge privileged privileges, sorry, that are ours and the great inheritance that is ours. The phrase points to the fact that Christ is truly our representative king, and he brings us before God and brings us to God. Mm-hmm. So because of Christ and being in him, Christians have all spiritual blessings because of Christ as Ephesians states, not Colossians. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> as Ephesians this is, this states. This is what happens when you stay up till 1230 in the morning and writing a manuscript. Yeah, it's right. <laughs> It happens. Indeed. All right. So Ephesians states that he has blessed us in Christ, in Christ, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will. Excuse me according to the purpose which he set forth in Christ. His purpose. His purpose. His purpose, his will, Mm. his grace. It's all of Christ. It's all of God. Anyway, let me continue reading. (laughs) As a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. As Ian Hamilton wonderfully says, Quote, these Christians were in Ephesus, but by God's amazing grace, they were also in Christ Jesus. Christians live in a fallen world, we do, mm-hmm. but do so in vital union with the Savior, Jesus Christ. He is our life. He is the true vine to whom we have been united by the grace of our Heavenly Father through faith. Outside of Christ, we are lost children of God's wrath heading for a ruined eternity, but in Christ, we are everlastingly secure. Nothing and no one is able to snatch snatch us out of Christ's hand, a hand held in the everlasting grasp of his Father, according to John 10, 28 through 30, end quote. I love that. I mean, that, that to me is like the most assuring, not the most, but for me, assuring and comforting to know that Christ holds us, and as Christ holds us, mm. the Father holds Christ. So we're in the hands of, yeah, yeah, all of God holds us. I actually want to read that, John uh, 10, 28, 28 through, uh, Sorry, live radio, <laughs> live episode. Indeed. You are live. You are listening to Tethered Podcast. <laughs> we made this person famous, whoever that was. Um, again, in uh, John 10, 28 through 30. Uh, chapter 10, verses 28 through uh, 30. It says, 
this is Christ, I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. So that, that I mean, if as Christians, being united in Christ, our union in Christ, you will never lose your salvation. Because if you ever lost your salvation, you, you already would have. <laughs> you yeah. already would have. Yeah, yeah. Little John MacArthur plug in there. No, I mean it's it's <laughs> that's it's good to know because I mean in in our day, I mean you see a lot of um, what's being called deconstruction and uh, a lot of yes. people not losing their faith or deconstructing their faith and um, just recently, I don't know if anybody's in, interested in the world of christian hip-hop but um there was a fellow called the fanatic and he just recently came out saying that he has renounced his faith in christ and it's it's i don't it's sad because i know um that hebrew says and let me let me find it real quick i think it's hebrews 10 and i think that's the application of it that of Christ's sacrifice once for all. Um, let me see if I find it. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, so Hebrews 10 verses, and I know we're going off on off topic here, but I think it's vital well, I mean, it's that if we... The importance of being in Christ, being the foundation, in, and knowing that. Okay. So, so that's not, your identity. So I'm not that far off. All right, so Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26 says, For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses, Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the Spirit, spirit of grace. For we know that, for we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again the Lord will judge his people, and it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of, a, of the living God. So, I mean, to me, that's kind of a, you know, a fearful thing that, you know, for someone who has for so long had their identity in Christ and then all of a sudden certain questions weren't answered or things in the Bible didn't line up with certain thoughts that, you know, pop in your head or you're trying to equate what's going on with the culture, what's what scripture is saying, you know, then you come up to the conclusion that. I don't believe in believe in Christ anymore. I mean, to me, that's frightening because yes. understanding, hearing, hearing what this says in Hebrews that there remains no no longer sacrifice for sin. Yeah, you know, there's Christ is the only way. Christ is our only um, hope and mm -hmm. our atonement and our mediator between God and man. Mm -hmm. Without Christ, which will which is a good segue to I think our next section about grace and peace. Yeah. There is no grace, there is no peace, because that peace is, that grace comes from God, yes. and that is the grace of God, which, 
you know, um, brings us to Christ, which brings us to him. And there's, there's with that grace comes the peace, peace with God, because we knew that we and before Christ, we were enemies of God and there was no peace between us. Hmm. And, you know, I, I think speaking on that faith, that faith of destruct, um, destructional deconstruction deconstruction um it really is an identity crisis because you you lose sight of your identity you lose Mm -hmm. sight of your union in christ because you don't have an assurance and i think a lot of the issue is is you're trying to what the person needs to do instead of deconstruct their faith they need to deconstruct the worldviews that have been infiltrating their mind right i mean And all honestly, what I want to say to these people is return to your first love. How can you forsake your first love? Yeah. Your first love is Christ. Yeah. You know, you, Christ is your hope. There's, there's nothing that you can add to the gospel. There's no amount of favor that you can do, uh, to, to gain from God in your own righteousness and your own way of thinking. Um, you don't need to take a step back and, and, Mm. And deconstruct your faith you need to take a step back and repent of your sin yeah. um and then place it in the hope of christ that it is by grace mm-hmm. through faith mm-hmm. that you have this hope that you have this salvation in the gospel yeah um and, and you have all spiritual blessings you don't need to have anything else you don't need mm. anything else to fill um your life with yeah there's nothing that should be enough christ is sufficient Absolutely. There's nothing yeah. more that can be added. Christ is sufficient. Yeah. So let's continue on. Um, well, before we do that, I want to go back and repeat this last line of Ian Hamilton's quote where he says, hmm. In Christ, we are everlastingly secure. Hmm. Nothing, nothing, no thing, and no one is able to snatch us out of Christ's hand mm-hmm. and a hand held and a hand. Oh, sorry. Sanchez out of Christ's hand, a hand held in the everlasting grasp of his father. So if like you going back to that going back to John MacArthur is if we were in Christ, there's no way we would because if we're in him, we are everlastingly secure, as mm-hmm. Ian Hamilton said. And yeah. nothing and no one is able to snatch us out of Christ's hand. Cannot take away the grip of the father. So if you lose your salvation, everlasting grasp. right. If you lose your salvation, you did not have it. In the first place. Amen. Um, which is unfortunate, but it's a reality. <clears throat> pray pray for people. Yeah, we'll do that for sure. Um, so continuing on, in, in verse 2, Paul says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now Paul says this a lot in a lot of his epistles. This is his greeting. He greets with grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So the Greek word for grace is karyos. Uh, this grace is God's extravagant kindness that he has shown towards sinners undeserving of his favor. He's shown towards me. Um, he has shown shown this to those and only those that have placed their trust in Christ. So indeed, because of the grace of God, we have peace from God. Thomas Goodwin says, grace is more than mercy and love it mm. super adds to them it denotes not not simply love i'm pretty sure he just made up a word super adds um <laughs> it denotes not simply love but the love of a sovereign transcendent superior 
one that may do what he will, that may wholly choose whatever he will love or not. Mm-hmm. Now God, who is an infinite sovereign who might have chosen whether ever he would love us or no, for him to love us, this is grace. Mm-hmm. God did not have to love us. God did not have to show his extravagant and unmerited grace to us, but he chose to. Mm-hmm. He is sovereign. He is above all. He does not need us. Right. Yeah. He is perfectly content being in the communion of the Trinity. Yeah. I mean, learning learning today, um, well, not learning today, but in my reading of, of Bobbing's book, The Wonderful Works of God, we're in the section where it talks about general relations. Just, I mean, just knowing that we won't know, we don't know general relation, general revelation without the special revelation. Basically, what we learn in Scripture of God's creation, and in knowing that, and thinking about it, just God creating the world um, that we live on the way it is and, and sustaining it and, yeah. pro- and the providence the of common God. grace. Yeah. All of that is, is, <coughs> is God's grace, but the grace, the saving grace that unites us to Christ uh, is even more special. Yes. God is gracious to all, but the grace here that Paul is speaking of is the, I mean, all, I, I believe that all of God's grace is undeserved. Yes. It is of his own free will. God is the only one that truly has free will. We don't have free will. Our free our will is bound to, you know, laws of nature and God's law, things of of, um, of that, but that's another subject for another <laughs> podcast. <laughs> but you know, understanding that that God does not need to do anything for us i mean the fact that we're alive is a is is a grace and a mercy of god but um i forgot the the quote i heard uh, adam mentioned and i forgot who said it that god oh carry on i'll remember some other time and i'll bring it back up i'm sorry it's like ah I forget stuff the same day anyway I don't have Alzheimer's, I promise. You know, <laughs> leave me alone. Anyway, so carry on. So yeah, it's it's a it's a <laughs> it's a special grace yes. um that is for his elect for his chosen that he he you know we don't God does not need us. Uh, we need God. Yes. Um so being in Christ, we are no longer enemies of God. We have been adopted and reconciled. Mm-hmm. So it says, for if while we were enemies, for if while we were enemies, we were, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we were, are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life? More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Mm-hmm. And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Mm. So we were enemies of God. We were separate. Now, Mm -hmm. because of Christ, we were reconciled. We're no longer enemies of God. We're adopted 
we are set apart. We are in the family and covenant relationship with God the Father. Justified. Um, just, yes, justified. And that makes me think of back of of um, the one that uh, the, that de- de- deconstructs their faith. You know, you're you know you were an enemy of God before. Mm-hmm. Why do you want to be an enemy of God again? Yeah. Um, it's like, like, you know, if you put it, uh, I know the legal court illustration where, yes, you, you've been pardoned. Um, someone has paid your fine and you, you can go free, but you go free and, you know, forget about your pardon and just go back to doing the same crimes that you've done before hmm. in a sense. Yeah. I, I don't understand it. Indeed. <clears throat> um, and as I just read Romans 5, 10 through 11, and Colossians 1, 22, mm-hmm. um, I want to close with this, that believers live in the already not yet. And what I mean by that, I'm going to give you kind of a little eschatological, I can't even say it right. Eschatological. Eschatological. Um, gem here. So <laughs> believers live in the already and not yet. And believers already have... God's grace and peace in Christ as a present mm-hmm. reality and yet have a future hope in God's eternal grace and peace. Mm. See, this and knowing this should give us assurance and hope Indeed. that we have God's grace and peace now and that we have mm. a future hope that we will have God's eternal grace and peace. Um, yeah, There's nothing more secure than that. I mean, there's nothing more greater than knowing that we are no longer enemies of God, that God's Mm. wrath is not upon us, but upon Christ who drank the full dregs of the cup of of the Father's wrath, who who died in our steed, who made the atonement that we could not pay. Christ did it all. Yeah. And to him be the glory. Right. It's... there's nothing more secure than knowing that God is the author and perfecter of our salvation and apart from Christ. Yeah, amen to that. I mean, it's it's very, um, I guess, for lack of better words, obvious how Paul is stating here, you know, in the introduction, the grace and the peace that comes to us from God, and then later on, he kind of, in a sense, explains this grace and peace, mm-hmm. and it's in Christ. Yeah. Everything that we have, the spiritual blessings in heavenly places, the being holy and blameless before God, the love of God, the adoption of God, the predestination, um, and it's all according to the purpose of his will, something that he freely, out of his grace, chose to do according to his will, and it wasn't arbitrarily that he did it. He did it to the praise of his glorious grace so that we might praise him, that we might worship him for that glorious grace with which he lavished. I love that word. He lavished Mm. upon us. It's like... It was very lavishing. (laughs) I mean, considering we... we, Some some of us don't understand the sense and the depth Mm. of our sin. If we we need to come to an understanding where where it took that the, the the death of the Son of God to pay 
for the penalty of our sin. How wicked, evil, dark, and deep is our sin. And when we come to that realization, we see how amazing God's grace is. Mm -hmm. I mean, and the eternal payment of that, you know, to understand that it paid for all sin for, not for all men, past, present, and future for those whom he he died for. Um, It's amazing to think of that. I mean, Paul describes it and it's, and it's, it's a very uh, extravagant language, but it doesn't, I mean, it's scripture, but it's like, it's not enough. It's like according to the riches of his grace, the riches, I mean, the riches of God's grace. Mm-hmm. I mean, you imagine the wealthiest, wealthiest person you can imagine and super see that by infinity. Yeah, that is the riches of God's grace, and Absolutely. even our imagination you can't even picture it. And we'll be spending an entire eternity worshiping God as He shows us this grace, and we'll be able to behold it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and be able to face Christ face yes. to face. Yes, yeah. vision. Um, Amen. So, so let's how do how do we how do we some application? Yeah, how does this through what we've as I was thinking through this, yeah. um, as you were talking. So two thoughts, um, back to verse one. Mm-hmm. So how, how do we take this home guys and thinking through this? I mean, we talked about a lot. We talked about a lot of glorious and rich truths just in two verses. Right. Um, and trust me, we're going to take this slow, um, as we go through this, but bringing this down to application, living out the Christian life. Notice Paul, he says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, Paul, Right here, we have to get to the fact that the fact that we have any, the fact that we have life is a grace of God. Mm-hmm. You know, Paul was an apostle of Christ by the will of God. We are Christians by the will of God. Right. We have new life, new creations because of Christ. And we have to, as Christians, we have to get to the point that, that God is the center. Yeah. We can't think that is anything that we that we've done. Done. Right? We weren't born Christians. You didn't save yourself, right? You we didn't weren't... do so many good things that you've earned God's right. favor. Yeah, it is by the grace of God. We're not Christians because we're American. So shouldn't that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're not Christians because we grew up going to church. No, we're no. Christians because by the grace of the grace of God, the will of God. Yeah, and that and that grace should leave us lead us in our life mm. we should live a life of grace we should live a life of mercy i think before anything and it should humble that. us it should it should humble us take us down quite a few notches um to not think that you know like you said our our position of where we are who we are where we where we're from does not put us in any position closer to god it is by god's own free grace sovereign grace that we are who we are that we are believers in Christ Jesus i mean we're not we can't even believe on our own because we we being enemies of god we don't seek for god we don't we don't look for god we seek a god of our own imagination or we seek a god within ourselves yes. because it's something that we can identify with as sinners but god has to through the holy spirit regenerate our hearts and turn yeah. our hearts so that we can see Christ more glorious and more 
beautiful than what we see our sin and what we enjoy in our lives to be. And when it comes to that, and and all of that is done strictly just by God's grace. It's all of God. Um, We contribute nothing to our salvation except the sin that made it necessary. You know, I I believe that (laughs) I believe that 100 percent There's nothing that we could do, no matter how much church attendance, you know, where you come from. Nothing. We we contribute nothing. We don't You know, God doesn't take 99 steps and we take one towards him. No, Mm -hmm. it's all of God and all of grace. Took us out of the grave, man. Yeah, we were were dead. I'm sorry. We're dead in our trespasses and sin. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Not, not for the grace of God, where would we be? And the, and this this grace that we have, we have to extend it to others. Yes. Um. And I mean, like, we live as new creations. We live a new life because of the Holy Spirit. We have new desires. We have new. We can do good works. Yes. We can do works that are pleasing and acceptable to God. Not. I'm not saying we do it perfectly because we won't, apart from the Holy Spirit. But we can do good works, and not and and that's the thing is as we live lives as Christians, we need to remember and be humbled by the fact of where we came from, that it is a measure of grace that was extended to us through Christ Jesus, and that should live out in our lives to our neighbors. You know, our good works right. are fruit of our justification, and that's something that we have to we have to do. We have to live out our faith yeah. to to our family, to our neighbors, to yeah. our coworkers, because our good works are for their benefit and yeah. to the, glory, to, to of the glory of God. And it's not something that we do to make puff up ourselves. Oh, I was really helpful and I was really kind mm-hmm. to my neighbor. No. When they ask you, why are you so kind? is because the measure and kindness and grace that okay. God has bestowed on me in Christ Jesus, this is why I am a changed person. Right. And I want to extend that grace to you and show you that this yeah. same God that has showed this grace to because me, I'm a wretched sinner. Show this same grace to you. You know, it's it's the the the, the second part of the grace and peace part is the peace. It's not just peace with God. That is the main thing. Don't hear, don't mishear me. The main thing is that we have peace with God. We're no under, no longer under the wrath of God and do um, the just punishment that we deserve for our sins. Mm-hmm. So we have through Christ and the grace of God, we have peace with God and peace with each other with man with our neighbor, not just our brothers and sisters in the Lord here in the church, but also our neighbors outside, which is, you know, why we preach the gospel, because we're we're showing love, the love of God through the, the, the proclamation of the gospel to our neighbors, so that way they can know that they also can have peace with God, and even peace, you know, with with their neighbors and their family, and even peace within ourselves, because a lot of times we we tend to beat ourselves up over you know our mm-hmm. sins and things like that. So the grace of God brings that peace. There's never it's it's it goes in that order. That's that's the <laughs> order it goes in. It's the grace of God. It comes with the peace of God. Yeah. Um, the grace relieves to the peace. Yeah. Um. The second thing I'm thinking uh, on application here. Um. And the implications of of this passage, you know, Paul Paul is talking to the saints who are in Ephesus. Not only do we we need to remember that we have a grace that is extended to us, um, but we need to remember our identity. 
Now, I'm not trying to puff up or talk about Catholic theology here, but the fact is, is we are saints. We are children of God. We are set apart and holy. And there's two aspects of this that that I want to say is that remember who you are in Christ and know this. Mm -hmm. Let that be your your identity and not the condemnation of sin that you keep preaching to yourself. Mm -hmm. Preach the gospel to yourself. Yeah. But also... um, we are set apart. Guys, holiness matters to God. Oh, yes. God is adamant. It says, be holy for I am holy. Without holiness, no one will see the and Lord. And a saint, a person that is in Christ, that is their life is marked by holiness, that yeah. they live in holiness, that they they desire to pursue righteousness, that they desire to spur on their brothers and sisters in Christ into holiness, into righteousness. Yeah. I mean, that is the mark of a church. Yeah. You know, members, as we gather together, you need to care about the holiness of your fellow believers in Christ. That yeah. needs to matter to you. You need to encourage them to to forsake sin, to flee temptation, yeah. to flee the flesh, right. to be in the Word, and to allow the Holy Spirit to sanctify and be sanctified by the word. Yeah, and grow, and to stir up your affections, allow the word and the spirit to stir your affections mm-hmm. for Christ. Because the more Christ is dear to you, the more Christ is loved by you, um, the the more love that you feel for His word. And I'm not talking about no sappy love. I'm talking about a love that you know that you would do as like as He says, you know, deny yourself, take mm-hmm. up your cross, and follow Him. That is. The love that that we that we should desire. I mean, we could never do it perfectly. Yes, there is no. Oh, you know, I love God so much. You know, I sold my my house and moved out. You moved to the the bush of Africa or something like that. To you know, to do. There's people that do that, but I'm not asking anyone to do that. But I'm just saying to that is that is what will bring you know that 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 holiness to be set apart. You know, mm-hmm. to love christ more than we love the world mm-hmm. um and to hold things with a you know a loose grip or open yeah. hand so that way you know um those things do not become an idol to us and i want um lloyd jones i was reading in the commentary um today he say, states that we must shed the false dichotomy of roman catholicism mm. every christian is a saint you cannot be a Christian without being a saint. A separation takes place in your mind, your outlook, your heart, your conversation, and your behavior. You are a different person. We must not think something is wrong with us. We are not to wonder what the reaction would be if we were call- if we called ourselves and others saints. It is not just certain people in history who are saints, but all those who are members of Christ's body and the church eternal. You know, we are... That, that is our identity. We are in Christ. We're a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. We are marked by being set apart. You know, we have our hearts. We have circumcised hearts. We have new hearts. Uh, heart, not hearts of, of stone, but hearts of flesh. Mm-hmm. So this, this marks our life now of, of ones that live out a holiness um, to God. Mm-hmm. And and I think it's vital to understand this. I mean, if Paul is here encouraging Ephesians 
and he goes on we'll get get to this even further down in the, but he's writing to the Ephesians to encourage them and, and he's stating that these that, that they're saints but also that they're faithful in Christ yeah and it's important that we as Christians that we remain faithful in Christ that we continue on in holiness yeah that we continue on in in righteousness um I mean think think of this that Paul writes this letter to the Ephesians and then later on you read in a revelation where the apostle John writes and he states um unto the angel messenger of the church of Ephesus write these things saith mm-hmm. he that holdeth the seven so sorry for its kjv that I'm reading uh, <laughs> out of this book um, saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of seven golden candlesticks, lampstands. I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience, perseverance, and how thou canst not bear endure them which are evil, and thou hast tried tested them which they are, which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars, and has borne, preserved, and has patience for my name's sake has labored and has not fainted become weary nevertheless i have somewhat against thee because thou has left thy first love remember therefore whom you are thou art fallen and repent and do the first works or else i will come unto thee quickly and will remove the candlestick, the lampstand, out of his place, except unless you repent. Because um, you have hated the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Mm-hmm. He has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. To him that overcomes will I give to eat the tree of life, which is in the midst of paradise. So John is talking to Ephesians. Um, here, and he is stating that they have left their first love, and if they do not repent to their former devotion of Christ, mm-hmm. that he would come quickly and remove that. And that's something that we need to remind ourselves that we never lose our first love, that we remain faithful in Christ Jesus. Yeah, very encouraging. Hopefully. Very encouraging. Encouraging for me. Hopefully very encouraging to all. Um, so that was just the first two verses. Wow. Okay. So, so we have a lot in store uh, coming up um, in the next uh, couple of episodes. Um, just we pray that you all would continue to follow us in along with in, in the study of the book mm-hmm. of Ephesians. Um we went through a lot here in just first two verses. So hopefully, hopefully, we pray, Lord willing, that someone came away with uh, with something that could help them in their walk um, with the Lord, grow closer yeah. to Him, to love Him more, and to and um, to glorify God and pursue holiness. As uh, your Sam identity. was stating, remembering who you are, your identity in Christ. And always going back to your first love. Um, so with that, we will wrap this up. Um, hopefully we will be, Lord willing, um, next episode going to the rest of the first chapter of Ephesians. 
So we're looking forward to that. Hope you all are looking forward to that. And until then, y'all have a blessed week. And we will catch you guys at the next episode of Tethered to the Cross. Have a good one, guys. See ya.